you have a Bible with you, and I ask you to turn with me now to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 29. If you're trying to define that, that is in the Old Testament, and uh, it is a few books to the right of the book of Psalms, Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon or Song of Songs, depending on the translation that you have. And uh, then Isaiah and Jeremiah, you may remember a few weeks ago we were in Lamentations and I kept saying Lamentations was the little brother of Jeremiah, where well, here we are. And Jer- Lamentations big brother, I guess you could say. Jeremiah, uh, chapter 29, um, I want to talk and think just together for a few minutes about our inability to engage in life where we are. Our inability to engage in life where we are. And by that where, uh, I I mean that in, in a literal sense, but maybe also in a figurative metaphorical sense. Our inability to live uh, right where we are. Let me set the stage for this text before we, we read this. It's, it's a letter. In, in 597 B.C., uh, the Babylonian army came down into Jerusalem, swept through, destroyed the city, destroyed the temple, dragged the people, many thousands, uh, off hundreds of miles on a terrible journey, a trek through the desert, back to into exile in Babylon. Three years later, 594 B.C., Jeremiah, still there in, in Jerusalem, in its ruins, writes this letter to the exiles there in Babylon. And it was a message that they desperately needed to hear because of all, most especially because of all the false messages that they were hearing while they were there in Babylon. There were false prophets there in, in Babylon where these exiles were, these Jewish exiles, and, and these, the message that they were getting was, you don't really need to unpack your bags, so to speak. Things are going to be okay. This is all going to be over very, very soon. And Jeremiah is writing this letter to set the record straight to say, no, you need to prepare yourself for a long stay. And while you're there, this is what faithfulness in this setting is going to mean. Jeremiah chapter 29, I'm going to read verses 1 through 14. Jeremiah 29, verses 1 through 14. Hear now God's word. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the eunuchs, and the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen, and the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elisa, the son of Shaphan, and Gamariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. It said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, To all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, 
and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Would you pray with me just a moment? Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for inspiring it to be written, breathing it out by your Holy Spirit and working in a mysterious, miraculous way such that no more and no less than what you wanted to be written is what was written and recorded through the prophet Jeremiah. And then now all these centuries, again, it's a wonder how these words have been preserved for us. And, and so we, no doubt, no few of us got a book or two uh, for Christmas and have a book list uh, in, in, in the works for 2015. But if there was a book that needed to be read, it would be yours. And certainly uh, a part of that are, are these words from this letter. And we need to hear it uh, just as surely as, as exiles then did, so do exiles today. We pray that you would help us to, to see, hear what we need to see and to hear and to, to live it out in a real rich, heartfelt, whole life fashion. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so what is the basic message? What is the, the core of what Jeremiah is trying to convey to his readers here? I'll tell you what it is, just real quickly. It is no matter how things seem, no matter how things look, and things don't didn't look good at all, God is in control. Despite everything you think, despite everything you feel, despite everything that you see, maybe even despite everything that you hear, God is in control. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of tension here, and it is some of the tension here. I mean, look with me, verse 1. Here's one side of it, the pulling of the rope, so to speak, of the tension. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests and the prophets and all the people whom... Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So who's calling the shots? At one level, and some would say it was Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. But if you read a little bit further, and if you pay close attention to what Jeremiah is saying here and how that came about, well, let's look. Verse 4, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile. Hmm. from Jerusalem to Babylon, or skipping down to verse 7, in case we missed it, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Who's calling the shots? Skipping down just a little bit further, in case we missed it twice, in verse 14, we see, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Who's in control? It's not Nebuchadnezzar. 
And it's not that things are out of control. That's not the answer either. It's rather that God is in control. The Lord Himself, the Lord of hosts, the armies of heaven, despite how things looked, He has plans for them. And He assures them that these plans, in fact, are good. Despite the fact that His people couldn't see what these plans were, right? He is assuring them that He has plans for them and that these plans are good. Now that is a message that exiles then and exiles now need to hear. Now what what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is this. That is a message that any and everyone who is in a place where they do not wish to be needs to hear. That is a message that everyone who feels ripped from what they had counted on, from what they wanted, from what they dreamed of, needs to hear. An exile. Now, whether you're speaking now in terms of a geographical, physical place, or in that metaphorical place, you know, we often, I'm going to come back to this later, we oftentimes speak of, I'm in a bad place. God's in that place. My fellow exiles. He promises, He assures us, exiles then and now, He has plans and those plans are good. And as a as a, as, a, uh, uh, as an application of that, an implication of that, what Jeremiah is trying to convey through this letter to these people is that that frees us, that impels us then, knowing God is in charge, knowing that He is in control, knowing that He has plans, and that those plans are, are good, that frees, impels, compels us to actually live right where we are. Whatever that where is, to actually live Right where we are. Now, let's look at just what we can see just for a few minutes, um, taking a crack at this, and I'm going to got these uh, four points there in your outline. What, how, I'm going to move through this fairly quickly just for time's sake. But, but if these things are worth thinking about, what does Jeremiah say in terms of what that would look like to really live where we are? Well, verses 4 through 5. And, and verse 4, by the way, you know, it, it sort of sums it up. This is the foundation. This is the pivot point on which all this Hinges. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. So who is he? To all the exiles whom I have sent. So is he in control? Yes, into exile. From Jerusalem to Babylon. What are you to do? Build houses and live in them. Jeremiah, what are you saying? Times and places matter. Times and places matter. The, the, the prophet's message is this time and place matters. The ordinary matters. The ordinary things of life matter and engaging them with them in a faithful sort of way. And I, and I know that you're looking back as to what you wish was or you're looking forward as to what you're hoping might be. But ultimately it's the present, it's the, it's the now, it's the, the here that trumps all of that. So make a home here. Study Babylonian architecture. Build the foundations Get the change of address forms filled out. Hang the pictures on the wall. Build the house. Make a home. That's what Jeremiah is saying here. Now that is completely counter to what the false prophets are saying and what our inclinations as exiles might be. No, no, no. This time doesn't count. This is just an interval in something much more important. This is just an interruption in my plans. It's not what the prophet is saying here. And, and also then don't invest. 
Don't pour yourself out here. It's not worth it. Don't build a house. Build a tent. Do as little as you can in this place. And that is not what faithfulness means. It may be what, it might be the message we want to hear, but it's not the message that we need to hear. For this time, this place matters. Now, I want to focus in particular on place as far as geography is concerned because I, I know that no few of us, I, I could do a poll, but I'm not going to, no few of us here know what the pain of moving is. So I, am, I do want to focus in particular on place as far as geography is concerned and being, feeling like an exile in that sense. Okay, so the pain of moving. Why does it hurt so much? Ever think about that? Why does it, it hurt so much? Yeah, let me tell you why it hurts so much. Because we weren't made for it. We weren't made to be vagabonds. We were made for a place to, be, to have a sense of settledness and rootedness. And being moved around is not how it was meant to be. And if you want to test me on that, I'll test you on that. Go back to Genesis. Genesis 1 and 2. There's a home and a garden and subtleness and beauty and depth and place. And what's the first visible manifestation of the fall? Genesis 3. An exile, an extrusion, a move. That's why it hurts. We're made for that. But here's the beauty of it. God can redeem it. God can work through a move. He can use that to enlarge our hearts. To, to grow in what it means to, to love and serve other people. And maybe even by His grace to have an impact upon those around us. My point being that He has us here, whatever that here is, for a reason, for a purpose. And we know that that purpose, that reason is good, that freeze compels us to dig in. That's the first thing. Second thing, moving on, verses 4 now, and pushing further into verse 5. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their Produce. Jeremiah, what are you saying? Customs matter. Times, places matter. Customs matter. The prophet Jeremiah is, is saying, look, I, I know that you have a preconceived idea in your mind as to how things are done. And what's the prim and proper way to go about this and this and this. But I'm telling you, I want you to plant and eat. I want you to learn what Babylonian seeds and horticulture is like. I want you to eat and cook from Babylonian recipes. Times and places matter, so too does do customs. And again, that is completely counter to what the, the false prophets were saying. No, no, don't get your hands dirty in that place. It's not worth it. It's not worth the trouble. It's not worth the time. Don't give yourself to this. Don't don't, don't, well, again, it's an interruption, right? It's an accident, right? Why bother? But the prophet is saying, no, my friends, that is a convenient excuse to hold back. It's very convenient to have that mentality. It's a very convenient excuse to hold back. 
What might that look like in terms of place? Again, I'm stressing that point. Place for us exiles. What might that look like here, just in this community? Well, it might look like uh, frequenting local eateries, uh, supporting the arts. I'm being serious about this. Um, It might mean, um, dare I say, buying a Titan sweatshirt. Perhaps the ultimate countercultural thing. Um, to volunteer in certain ways around this community, you know? Because the, the times and places matter, the customs matter, his purposes, plans for us here, now, and whatever they are, they are indeed good. Take that to heart. It compels and frees us to engage. What else do we see? Let's move on. Verses 4 through 6 now. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease. So, times and places matter. Customs matter. People matter. Jeremiah is, is, is compelling these people, ordering these people, telling these people to stay engaged, to, 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 to get married, stay married, have children, raise those children, stay fully in the family life. And the, the larger, uh, getting, enlarging the scope of what all the implications of that means. And now before I get to that, let me just make a quick note. Note, please, that he, he's not saying intermarry with the Babylonians. That's not what he said here. He's not calling for compromise, but he's also at the same time saying don't play it safe. You are to live. Life is to continue in this place of exile. Um, the, uh, the prophets now, though, the false prophets, though, Again, that's not what they're saying, and they're certainly offended by this. They're saying, no, 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 no. This is no time. This is no place to raise a family. Um, I mean, this isn't even Jerusalem. Uh, is there not a people to love and live beside? I mean, um, it would be better, far better, to say insulated and pull back. Again, I would say that's that's... It's easier, it's convenient, but it's not healthier. Um, the prophet here is the implications of this. Well, just think in terms of what it would look like now. What would it look like now? Um, to understand that people and relationships matter. I'm just very practical. Get involved in a community group. serve in some way, shape, or form, whether in this church body or in this community. And, and this may scare you, especially us introverts, but you may get known. And you may get to know in ways, I promise you, that will far exceed if you stay in your hole. Um, find ways to exercise hospitality. And by that, I don't mean entertain. I'm not talking about your fine china. I'm talking about paper plates. Open up your home. Invite people over. Start a book club. I don't know. Get creative. Get involved. 
Again, my point being, you're, we are here, here, now, place, for a reason. It's not an interruption. It's not an accident. God has his plans and purposes. We know they're good. It frees, compels us to pour ourselves out. Now, the last point, the last point here. I read on through verse 7 this time. But starting in verse 4, again, because this is the the foundation of it. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons, and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. So, times and places matter, customs matter, people matter. Now we find out it all matters. It all matters. Now, you really think in terms of what Jeremiah is saying to these people that he's writing this letter to. This is absolutely shocking what he is calling them to to be and to do. He is calling them to pursue and to pray for the shalom. We've talked about that over that Christmas series, the Prince of Peace and Shalom, what that means, wholeness and rightness and a depth and a flourishing and all of that. For the Babylonians, for the very people who have dragged you away from everything that you are clamoring for now, he is saying, I want you to pursue and pray for their shalom. Why? Because two things, and there's something somewhat intention, but they're both equally true. On the one hand, while it's certainly the case that using New Testament language, um, the Israelites, those in exile, they're in Babylon, were to be salt and light. They were to be a, a city on a hill. They were to be distinct and different there in Babylon. At the same time, they are to be Babylonians. They are to immerse themselves in that place and in that time. I mean, how can salt be salt, right? If it stays in the shaker, what good does it do? It has to get out. If the light is you know, kept under the proverbial uh, shade, completely shaded or bushel or bucket or whatever that would be, what good does it do? They are now, my, Israelites, those people are your people. Your welfare is caught up in their welfare. Actually, the, letter, the, the word is shalom. Your shalom is caught up in their shalom. Your peace, your wholeness, the depth of your being and living, flourishing is caught up in theirs. Now this had to have been, again, countering all that the false prophets were were saying, this had to have been probably the most offensive thing of all of them to say. No. You are God's people. You are not Babylonians. Putting those things completely in, in, in 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 a... False tension, um, creating a false choice, if, if you will, in, in, in a certain way. Um, you, you are not in Jerusalem. That's where you should be. It'd be better even if you were in Egypt, but Babylon? No. 
Okay, so here and now, what would this look like, the implications and application? My friends, in terms of place, you're a Clarksvillian. You're a Clarksvillian. Embrace the place. Get to know it. Embrace the people. Get to love them. If you find your heart filled with resentment about that, then you need to go back to that foundational point and daily and throughout the day remind yourself, who is it that's in control? Who is it that has the plans? And are they good or are they not? Who has placed you where you are? Whatever that where is in the time and the place. And by the way, let me just add this one last thing before we move to the conclusion. I know you may feel like you came here a captive. Captive? You're now a missionary. You're now a missionary. So pour yourself out and pray. Pray for where you are. Now, all of this, Jeremiah's letter, I'm sure was a rebuke and a challenge to the exiles then, and it is a rebuke and an exile to, to exiles. Now, stop whining. <laughs> right? It's almost, you know, between the lines. Stop whining. Stop sitting around feeling sorry for yourself. I know this isn't where you wanted to be. I know this isn't what you wanted. I know you feel like you've been dragged into this time and this place, but here's the question. It, well, it is here's the fact. It is where you are. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Are you going to respond faithlessly and just keep your bags packed and wait it out? Or are you going to throw yourself in faithfully? It's a question before the house. To those who did, it was a faith-stretching, a beautiful faith-stretching experience as they found all their assumptions, presuppositions about who God is and who they are and what the world is like and what people are like, all of that torn down and then built back up and then their faith, their hearts, their lives made richer and deeper for it. That's what we're called to do, to trust God, to embrace His promises to us, to follow wherever he leads, and to give ourselves towards that, knowing, again, he has plans for our places, whatever those places, I'm coming back full circle now, where those, whatever those places are. Now, I'm going to end on this point, because I've been stressing geography so much. And that is so, so very obviously true from the immediate context of Jeremiah 29. But I do want to come back to this. God has plans for your place even if you haven't moved. Even if it's where just it feels like everything around you has moved. You know what, remember what I said earlier about what it is, in a sense, to be metaphorically an, an exile, to have everything that you felt familiar and comfortable with and were counting on ripped away such that you feel like you've been dragged into something else? God has plans for your places. And those plans are good. And so we have a, every one of us in one way or another have a daily opportunity and challenge, even if we feel like I'm not in a good place, whatever that means, to trust Him and His plans 
and then live right where we are. Live right where we are. Verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Let's pray. Lord, of who else could we say these things that you have real plans that are sure and unfolding that nothing can stop and that your plans are truly good, meant for our good, and just as surely as nothing is going to stop them, you are going to hold no good back. Lord, there are some here this morning in this room, in this little assembly that are glad for where they are. They're content. They're thankful. And may it be. May their tribe increase. May that expression grow. Seeing all these good things as being from your hand. But oh God, there are some of us here this morning that are a little unsure. And maybe it's worse than unsure. Maybe it's just broken and sorrowful and mourning for where they are. And we pray for comfort. We pray for comfort and and an assurance that would come forth from the, the ashes of their faith and hope. That you would help them to trust you. Oh, that we would all be able to see all things coming from a good hand. Your hand. A good hand. Help us then with all of that to live where we are. To live where we are walking with you listening and trusting and leaning into you at every step. In your name we pray. Amen.